Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. It's Dave here. Darren over there. And you heard a little pre-show talk going on. We're talking about Darren's dog. But anyways, we have Vikings to talk about today. And of course, we have three themes. Well, sort of. We'll get into that right after the roll-in. But welcome to the show. And it's good to see you in the comments. Let's start with two bloggers. Vikings First and Skull presents This Week in Vikings Land with Darren and Dave, your two old bloggers. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Good to see you here. I want to say, everybody, hello, Delton, the wonderful, beautiful Miss Mary, Harmsey, Jonathan, Drewster, Anthony. You're all welcome to the show. And today, partnered with me in the center position is Darren Campbell, one of the two old bloggers. We've been doing this for over two decades apiece, talking publicly about your Minnesota Vikings and all the pain it's put us through. And today's going to be no different, but... We'll find out. But first, Darren, how are things up in the Arctic Circle? Not bad, Dave. We got a shit ton of snow last night, so uh, I spent the morning shoveling. And happy to do it. No. <laughs> it's good exercise <laughs> or nice heart attack conditions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I know when I lived in New England as a teenager and we shoveled all the time, there you'd always get on the news. Mr. Johnson died of a heart attack today trying to remove two feet of snow that fell last night. And he got his whole driveway done until the plow plowed it in. 
And yeah, the the the, uh, the Atlantic coast snow is that wet, heavy, heavy. crap. Mm-hmm. Not the yep. fluffy stuff you get in other places. Right. No, and that's the way it was. Hey, you and I want to talk about uh, how the season ended. And we were talking about how we could possibly restructure the show to get it a little bit different, to bring it, make it a little bit more fresh, I think is the way you want wanted to phrase it. And that's a good thing. So we've worked on a few things. We're going to debut one of them today as part of theme two, only it's it's longer today. It won't be as long in the near future. So, but there's a few things we're going to reveal today. You're going to see one of them in theme two, and I'm going to leave that as a surprise. <laughs> there's uh we're going to be airing some new segments, and hopefully these segments are relatively short, but entertaining, and get you through bang, 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 as we add a little bit more, have a little bit more fun, hopefully, and if you have any ideas, let us know in the chats what you'd like to see, but it's time to get it started, and as you can see, the title of the show is Vikings in the NFL NFL's coaching carousel, and we'll get into that here in a bit and talk about all that's happened and how it influences our team, the Minnesota Vikings. So, on to theme one. Quick hitters. And in this one... I picked an image rather than like Kirk Cousins getting hit quickly. (laughs) I used a Viking doing the quick hit. And one we all love, Mr. Ivan Pace Jr., who did absolutely fantastic. But like you saw, we talked about the coaching carousel. Well, let's start off that discussion. We shall. Um, And... uh, Dan Dan Quinn got announced uh, midweek that he had accepted the job uh, with the Washington Commies as their new head coach, replacing uh, Ron Riverboat Ron Rivera. And um, why do Vikings care about that? Well, because that uh, Quinn getting that job that filled up the last co- head coaching vacancy in the NFL, which guaranteed although it was pretty much a, seemed a sure thing anyway, but guaranteed that Brian Flores will return to the Vikings next year as our defensive coordinator, which I consider to be great news. Uh, and I think, Dave, you're also in, oh, in, in absolutely. agreement with that. Um, and he just, in one year, just really almost night and day, a great improvement compared to what Ed Donatel was able to do in 2022 with the Vikings defense. And even what Mike Zimmer did in 2021 and 2020 with the Vikings defenses, which weren't very good either. Uh, you looked at it last year under Flores 13th in, in points against uh, in the NFL in 2022 with Donatel, they were 28th in the league uh, DVOA, the old football outsiders metric. That's now fantasy uh, whatever they call it, uh, their metric. Um, they were 11th in defensive DVO this year, and whereas they were 26th last year. 
very good against the run this year too. I think they were eighth um, in the league as far as our rushing yardage gave up, eighth, eighth, eighth least that they gave up. Passing was uh, not so good, but uh, it wasn't completely horrendous. But overall, you know, Brian Flores did a very good job uh, in his first season as defensive coordinator. Pretty much, uh, I think, exceeded expectations in a lot of ways. Um, and yes. He, uh, the, the defense did not play well um, the last three games. But overall, you'd have to be pretty happy with what Flores did. And again, him coming back to me is great. Uh, is a, you know great for the Vikings. It, it brings them continuity, Dave. So they got the same defensive coordinator for the second year in a row. Uh, Brian Flores is going to be able to tweak the things that the Vikings did with you know what they did with their system last year, and also he'll it'll be up to him to work on the weaknesses that we saw, especially towards the end of the year. And I think that Flores is the guy to attack those and, and solve those. Also, I, I think that it's also very important that. It's going to be the Vikings now will have the same defensive coordinator for two years, and they are going to learn more about the type of players that Brian Flores uh, wants that fit into his system, and they can use that to attack players both in the draft and in free agency and find the, the personnel that fits what Brian Flores wants to do. That's also a very good thing as opposed to a new defensive coordinator this year maybe bring in some different things and maybe the personnel we have right now uh, doesn't fit with what that defensive coordinator wants to do. And so you have to kind of start the whole thing all over again, which I don't think would be a good thing. Um, so all positives for the Vikings, uh, I think. And um, also, I think also a little bit surprising is that as far as I know, Dave, he didn't get any head coaching interviews for the, for the head coaching uh, uh, vacancies that were out there. I don't know whether he turned them all down because he seemed to be pretty happy in Minnesota last year, but uh, it seems either way, uh, if, if that wasn't the case, and I think that probably was, wasn't the case, um, really, it looks like he's been what we call blackballed by the NFL owners because of his discrimination lawsuit. Uh, and they're like, they're fine with hiring him as an assistant uh, on, on a team, a defensive coordinator, an assistant in some other aspect on, on their coaching staff, but the owners are sticking to their guns and they are not hiring him as the head coach, as the CEO of their football team. Uh, they're making it personal. And uh, I don't understand that uh, at all. And I think that's going to come back to bite them legally at some point in time because there seems to be a collusion going on here against Brian Flores. But the NFL's owners and the NFL's uh, other team's loss is the Minnesota Vikings gain in this case. It is. And with this being a gain for us, there's also an, one that we don't talk about often. This moves him into his second year as our defensive coordinator, which means if following this next season, the 2024 season, if he goes off and gets hired as a head coach somewhere, we get two additional third-round draft picks for him. So we have the benefit of having him, and if we eventually do lose him, we get the extra draft picks. So... It didn't qualify after one year. It does after two. And that's a great uh, bit of information to uh, know because I I didn't realize that myself. Uh, and 
any extra draft picks the Vikings can get at this point, David, is uh, with the, the state of the roster, I think is a very, very, very well, good thing. Well, those draft picks wouldn't be till 2025, but he'd have to go to someplace else. But it, that's he now falls into that qualification that if he does go someplace else, we get two extra draft picks, which is a good thing. It is. Now, if he goes someplace else, it probably means because we had a kick-ass defense. Which is also a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where we want we want that's where we want this defense to go, and uh, and that's where we're hoping Flores takes them in twenty twenty four. A step up again from what he was able to do in twenty twenty three, which was um, overall pretty pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. And uh, we covered in there, Mike Zimmer. You talked about Mike Zimmer's defense news came out today. He is officially interviewing for the. Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator job, which I heard he was interested in it. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of other coaches that may affect, when I was talking, when we recorded the NFC North show, I figured Keenan McCardell was out of the woods of us losing him. Well, it turns out today that uh, Oakland turned down the primary runner for their OC position, so we still have to hold our breath a little bit on Keenan's chance of being sniped from us. And mm-hmm. I hope that isn't the case because I like him as well. So do I. Now, and I might have respected it around the league too, which is uh, uh, surprising that he hasn't gotten nodded for at least an OC uh, position uh, in you know the past couple of years, considering the work he's done with Justin Jefferson and some of the other guys on the roster. Mm-hmm. And I agree, and I think he deserves it. I just, I'm being selfish, and I want him yes. here with the Vikings. So, yeah. Continue to work with Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson and and whoever wide receiver three is going to be this year. So, yes. Well, that brings us to our second hit, <laughs> TJ Hawkinson. T- yeah, TJ this week. Uh, on Wednesday, we learned that he'd... Well, I don't know if it was Wednesday, but it was, uh, <clears throat> yeah, no, we learned on Wednesday that he has had his uh, successful uh, surgery on his ACL. Yeah, and uh, a little bit later than maybe we were hoping for, but I guess they were waiting for the swelling to go down, um, and um, which isn't good news either. <laughs> if, it was, if his knee was like that for four or five weeks. I heard quite a bit over the press that, one of the techniques they were doing, and they did for TJ, was they were waiting for his MCL to heal naturally, that it heals itself. It does not require right. a surgeon to bring the ends together and and do their thing with it. And it's just now to that point where it got to that point that they were confident to go in, that they needed the MCL healed first before they go in and repair the ACL. And uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that that's a technique or a primary technique or how they how they described it versus just going in straight from the get-go and repairing both at the same time. That sort of blew my mind. But, hey, he had it done by, what was it, one of the most famous sports surgeons out there right now. So we'll see. 
we will. Uh, and we talked um, you know, on previous shows, I think last week as well, about the timetable for returning, which is about for a pro athlete is about nine to 12 months. So the, the fact that we know when he had a surgery, January 29th, which was on Wednesday, uh, that gives us a clear idea of when TJ might be back in action on the field playing for the Vikings. Uh, again, uh, so if nine months is the best case scenario. Roughly, that would you would say he would return to the day uh, around September 29th, which would be kind of like week four of the NFL season. Could be longer than that, though, Dave, as, as we know. Um, in, in either way, I think, you know, three games is is still, it's, you know, it's three three more games than we would like to see TJ gone um, from from the Vikings roster. So not, not great news, although we kind of knew it was coming. But it does uh, um, bring up again that the Vikings have some work to do at the tight end position going into the 2024 season. When you consider that you got Nick Muse talked about it last week, Nick Muse um, and Johnny Munt and Josh uh, Oliver are your three tight ends right now. And two of those Muse and, and Munt are, are free agents. Uh, although Muse is kind of an imaginary free agent. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if, if anybody missed it, go back to last week's show. Our deep dive on the positions were the tight ends. And so, you can see what we said, and we got in deep, not only just with TJ, but the rest of the rest of the tight end room, which was fun. Yeah, I mean, Dave's got a soft spot being an old tight end himself right. from the old days. But uh, last week, you know, I talked about how uh, we we don't know how long TJ's going to be out. He's probably going to be out at some some amount of games. It looked three looks like minimum three or four minimum, and it could be more. And so the Vikings have to do something uh, to add to that tight end room, uh, the depth that they've got and the talent that they've got. Now I talked about. I, I see. I saw them as like they need to draft a developmental tight end, both for the short term and the long term for the Vikings, and uh, to add some talent to that to tight end room. I didn't think they would go the free agent route and pick up a veteran there, just because a, a lot of the guys that are scheduled to be free agents right now are kind of long in the tooth, and the younger guys likely aren't coming to Minnesota if they know that T.J. Hawkinson is going to come back uh, at some point in time and take up the lion's share of the snaps and the targets that you'd be getting. I mean, that would be career suicide for a young tight end who's looking to like make a name for themselves and make a bunch of money. But Will Raggett's, uh, he had a little story this week, still employed. <laughs> I noticed that this week. I noticed it, he put, published a story from uh, Mobile and under the Sports Illustrated banner. And so uh, he's still employed. Um, and he he was he saw something on Bleacher Report, CBS Sports. Now this is just speculation that they threw out, but they they did throw out that that the Vikings could be looking for kind of a bargain bin situation, pick up a vet uh, on the quick, and that Harrison Bryant might be a, would be a logical target for them, uh, the the Cleveland Browns tight end. Now you and there was rationale for this, uh, a few things. Bryant is young; he won't turn twenty six until. Uh, later this year uh he had also been he'd become relatively cheap because he's never started in in cleveland and he's ranged between 400 to 600 offensive snaps in the four years that he's been there and the other thing was that there's a quasi adofa mensa link in that adofa mensa was on the browns front on, on the browns front office staff when bryant got got drafted now i think a lot of times we make too much out of these links that X player is a target for the Vikings because he played 
uh, for a so-and-so coach who's on the Vikings now, or so-and-so our GM was on X team's front office when they drafted this player. A lot of times it doesn't end up happening. Uh, and we don't, I don't know what Kwesi Adolfo Menson thinks of Harrison Bryant, but it, what does make sense is that the Vikings would look to get a vet on the cheap who can be kind of a plug and play guy that can go in there and contribute offensively and also block a little bit, but uh, contribute offensively and sort of like fill in while TJ Hawkinson is sitting out for however long that is. And hopefully it's only those three to four games. Uh, so I think that it makes a lot of sense, whether it's Harrison Bryant or somebody else who kind of fits that 26, 27, 28 year old veteran who might have some upside, but also could come relatively cheap. And cheap is important, Dave, because the Vikings, while their salary cap situation is much improved over previous off seasons, is still not as robust as we would like. And they've got a certain wide receiver and a certain edge rusher and some other guys that they probably have to take care of. And they're going to take care of the cash quite quickly when they do, <laughs> if and when they do sign those contracts. Yep. And, uh, uh, Mary said she's uh, fighting a disc problem in her back. Hopefully it gets better soon. Uh, speaking of injuries, uh, Mary, I suggest you go work out with, uh, in rehab with TJ Hawkinson. You might enjoy that, and it might make the pain feel a little bit better. So... And and um, getting if the Vikings do pick up a vet like this, I still think that they also it would be a good idea for them to draft that developmental tight end in in April's uh, draft as well as we we mentioned last week. Now uh, speaking of developmental, the Minnesota kid uh, was listening to one of the I think it was the PFF one uh, podcast about the Senior Bowl and how he's sort of surprised. He uh, he he moves slowly. He's a big man, sort of lurch type deal, but he could catch the football. And he was uh, turning heads and did better than I think people had anticipated. And then when they said, "Well, how big is he?" and he's like, "What six seven? <laughs> huge, seventy. <laughs> yeah. yeah." And so that would be an interesting pick. And he, of course, he's one of us from Minnesota. And hey. Kyle Rudolph wasn't super fast either, but uh, pretty effective. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Hey, just another big yeah. mattress that any quarterback can love because you're guaranteed to catch the ball. Yep. Uh, Nick Muse is at, well, Nick Muse isn't that big. No, by all means, not that big. All right, now on to theme two. And in the future, this is going to be one of our new segments. Around the NFC North, Dave. I should have used my sound effects for this. Yes, you should have. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll work on that for next week. But yeah, this is a... Uh, Dave was talking earlier in the show. We, I've been, we've been bouncing ideas off of one another about... Uh, changing things up on the show, at least the structure. And uh, this is one of the ideas we had around the NFC North. We're debuting it today. Hope you like it. And it's going to look at at least things that I, interesting developments that I 
to me anyway, uh, that have, I've noticed from uh, the Vikings divisional rival, uh, foes, rivals in the past week. We won't do it every week. Uh, it might be, it'll come and go, but at least be once a month a type of segment. And going to look at those moves and really take a, a Viking perspective on it and why it matters to the Vikings and Viking fans. Um, so that's a, a quick and dirty on what we're going to, the, the objective of this segment. <laughs> And the uh, first off, we'll take a look at that team from Wisconsin because I want to get uh, finished talking about them nice and early. <laughs> we could, <laughs> but uh, at last week, we talked about how that they, they still hadn't found a replacement for Joe Barry, who they had fired. Uh, this week, that changed. They hired a guy named Jeff Halfley um, as their defensive coordinator to replace Joe Barry. Uh, a bit um, of an, uh, a little bit of a different hire, I think, Dave, because Halfley had been the um, the head coach for Boston College since 2020. At least, I find it's it's rare that you see, um, and Boston College is in Alabama or Georgia at this point. But I find it rare when you see a head coach at a Division One school and a legit Division One school uh, leave that job and go and take probably a pay cut. <laughs> to be a, a, a you know a defensive assistant or a coordinator at the NFL level, but that is what there was a reason behind it. But go <laughs> yeah, 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 that's yeah. I think uh, yes, uh, you might get into that. But um, Halfley has taken the job at uh, Green Bay to be their defensive coordinator. Um, last week, I expressed my disappointment that the Green Bay had fired Barry because I found that he's been fairly mediocre in that position. And we like that about Green Bay coaches when they are mediocre and produce mediocre results for the, the units that they're coaching. Yes. Uh, we don't know what we have. We don't know what kind of impact Halfley's going to have with them. He's 44 years old, so pretty young. Uh, he's been coaching since 2001. Um, other than his, uh, and Dave, you, you prepped me on the pronunciation here, so let's see if I get it right. But uh, uh, he's been coaching since 2001, and uh, he's had pretty much, except for one spot at Worcester Polytechnic. That's correct. <laughs> and if you're in uh, Boston, it's Worcester. Worcester. Um, it, that, other than that spot, which was his first coaching job, he's had pretty much, he's had defensive positions, um, defensive assistant positions at every stop which has been both in the nfl and the college level since 2001 until he got the head coaching job at boston college in 2020 most of his experience has been as a defensive backs coach at the nfl and the, the collegiate level and um i don't know what green bay has with with this guy we'll find out in 2024 but uh he's got talent to work with there um uh, whether you're looking at rashawn gary uh Devontae wyatt um, Quay Walker, um, Russian, and and then Kenny Clark, who's there, and a lot and other guys. So, uh, and his job is to get more out of them than Joe Barry did, and a lot more. And we're as Viking fans, we don't want to see that, uh, and we want him to be worse than Joe Barry was. Or, and uh, it remains to be seen if that's going to be the case. But that team from Wisconsin has um, locked up their defensive coordinator. Hey, Drew. Uh, good, good. Thanks for joining along. And we'll we'll see what he can get out of it. Whether a new face, new voice, maybe new philosophies uh, makes the Green Bay defense better than it has been the past two or three years under Joe Barry. 
I don't know, and I hope the, the answer is no to that. Uh, but uh, that that's, I think, an important development, uh, an important coaching position that has been uh, uh, has been solved by that team from Wisconsin. Okay. Now, uh, about this young coach, Halfley got his roots uh, starting uh, in Tampa, as you said, and then he went to Cleveland for a while, and then San Francisco. He coached under various schemes. So if you're trying to figure out what schemes he worked under, it's various. He did spent a good chunk of it under Robert Sala when he was coaching the Jets, and uh, he as well as Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Now, why? Did he go to Green Bay? It's reported by ESPN's Pete Thamel. Said, Halfley is a, quote, long-time friend, unquote, of, where's my slide? Of this individual, Matt LaFleur and an admirer of the Packers organization. What that means in real terms is Halfley in his first year at BC finished, I think it was like seven and eight or seven and nine. In his next year, he finished like seven and eight, seven and nine, eight and eight, whatever it was, right around 500 or just a little bit below. Third year, he only had like three wins. This last year, he did finish right around 500, but his seat was getting uber-duber hot. Mm-hmm. So he needed an out. Now, what he has explained is that the college game, the whole coaching gig, isn't what it used to be. Now it's all about promotion and NIL money and getting kids to move over in a transfer window when you're trying to keep kids from going out in the transfer window. And he supposedly lost a lot of his players to the transfer window. And the BC alumni or board or whoever was breathing down his neck is the impression I get from why he decided to make the jump and to go back to the pros. And when you do that, it's not necessarily who you are, but it's who you know. And if he's good buddies with Matt LaFleur, hey, buddy, I need a job. You want to hook me up? (laughs) And I think that's how they got Halfley to be their new job. But that's me just putting pieces together from what I've read, what I've heard, et cetera, et cetera. Now, sounds the old Denny Green, uh, Richard Solomon connection from very much so, very, very much so. Good analogy. Um, but that's what we're getting now. Like you, I hope he fails miserably. (laughs) (laughs) We'll find out. It's gonna, it's gonna be new, you know. So it is what it is. But that is. Jeff Halfley, and who he is, the new defensive coordinator within the division. And, of course, he's up in Green Bay, so we wish him all the failure in the world. Yes. As much failure as as he can handle. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're going to stick it just with the, the that team from Wisconsin just for a bit more on the around the NFC North uh, uh, because uh, Brian Gutkunst uh, mentioned this week that he's exploring um, pretty seriously signing Jordan Love to an extension uh, with the Packers. Uh, that is is a noteworthy because at, in his midseason presser, Gutkunst did not commit to Jordan Love as the future guy. And at that point, Love was struggling. The Packers were two and six or whatever they were. Uh, and uh, and uh, things weren't looking that good for Love or the, or the Packers at that point. Now, it sounds like he is all in on Jordan Love. And we can see why, because over the last eight games that the Packers played, which got them into the playoffs and vaulted them over the Vikings, uh, he threw 18 touchdowns, only one interception. They went six and two in those eight games. And so now he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, Gutkunst is ready to commit to him. And that worries me a bit because I think Gutkunst, as much as I hate to admit it, is very good at his job. <laughs> well, I do hope that he makes him the highest paid quarterback in the league by far and that the whole cap situation screws them over. Yes. If go that route. And it, yeah, I, I saw a figure out there that uh, if Love signs the extension, he might get 35 mil per year, which would seem to be pretty low. That for on the quarterback, on the quarterback, especially one as young as him and as uh, as good as he looked the last little while. But but anyway, um, you know, it'd be real kicking the, in the nuts for Vikings fans if if you got if, again Green Bay gets their franchise quarterback again. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, interesting development that I just uh, that again. Green Bay, their GM seems to be pretty sold now on Jordan Love and seems pretty confident that he is the guy to lead them into the future for the next 15 years or so, uh, just like Aaron Rodgers did before him and Brett Favre did before him. We do not want to see. We do not want to see another Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Uh, so stay tuned on that one. We'll. It, I, the story is definitely not written on Jordan Love yet on how great he's going to be or how bad he's going to be. Um, he had, a, he had a, a great streak. A lot of it was against teams that weren't that good, though. That's the other thing to keep in mind. And he did lose to San Francisco once again. It's <laughs> the uh, history of that team. They have a problem with San Francisco. So that they brings do. us to the, the next segment of the NFC North. We're switching teams yes, and going we are. to the Bears. The Bears. Like more coordinator news, Dave. This is the theme this week. Um, also learned that the Bears have uh, brought in Eric Washington as their defensive coordinator, uh, who was the assistant head coach and defensive line coach with the Bills this year. Um, now, in this case, Washington's coming in, but Matt Eberfeld Flus is still going to be calling the defense. So Washington, it's hard to say that this is going to be Washington's defense next year that we're going to look like. It's going to be kind of like when Zimmer had George Edwards as his defensive coordinator, uh, that kind of situation. Or right now where Kevin O'Connell is calling the plays, but Wes Phillips is the offensive coordinator. So we'll see what kind of impact Washington will have on this. Uh, but we, but with the Bills uh, last year, uh, we know how their defense performed. They were uh, fourth best in points given up, um, and they generated 54 sacks, a lot of them coming from the defensive line. They had some injuries all over the defense, still got 54 sacks, which, which was the fourth most in the NFL. So um seems like Washington was part of a he was part of a pretty high performing Buffalo Bills defense that suffered a lot of injuries this year to key guys. And 
uh, just looking back, I saw this uh, tweet from somebody else uh, who charted tracked uh, how Washington's defensive lines had had performed since 2010 and found that his defensive lines had uh, been in the top 10 in sacks in the NFL seven times since 2010, which is pretty good. The Bears only had 30 sacks last, last year, which was the, the second least in the NFL. Uh, so Washington, if he can add some uh, pass rushing juice to the Bears defense, which is already really, really good stopping the run, already has like a young, very good looking secondary. Um, you know, I'm a bit worried about about the Bears defense um, and the impact that Washington could have on them upping their game a bit. And I think their defense also is already, you know, pretty solid. And if it gets really good, Again, we play them twice a year. That's not news to anybody. Um, we don't want to be facing uh, – I think this defense – we'll see if Washington can make this defense uh, improve it, which will make it tougher for the Vikings to move the ball on the Bears when they play them both at Soldier Field and in Minnesota. Um, but, again, um, Eberflus is calling the plays. Drew says he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, uh, but they did I win a yeah, lot of but, games this, that end of the season. They did. They did, and the defense was a big reason why. So, uh, if Washington can get that unit um, playing even better than it did at the tail end of last year, uh, they will be a problem for offenses in the NFL and in the NFC North. <laughs> Drew says, uh, "You know, Chicago's got two first-round draft picks." We know they're going to screw it up. Well, they've got the first pick and the number ninth pick, if I remember correctly. And with the first pick, they very well may take Caleb Williams. And, of course, Caleb Williams came out this week and says he does not want to be selected by Chicago. (laughs) Uh, Caleb Williams sends up red flags for me. He's a brilliantly talented quarterback coming out of USC, but there are a couple of red flags. If they take him, like most Chicago quarterbacks, they'll probably ruin him, and that's good for Minnesota. So it we is. function in Chicago. But I'm afraid that he may be good enough to overcome that, and that's what we do not want. Heck, Justin Fields was playing it rather well in the second half of this season. So who knows? And what they do with their second pick, I think they're getting wide receiver on that second one there, Drew. And as you know, wide receiver class is pretty good this year. It's deep. Of course, there's the the top two or three, and then but the, the next level is very, very good to themselves. But we'll find out. Ola Dunze from Washington to look pretty good on the Bears, I'm sure. <clears throat> I don't think Harrison gets to them at nine, but certainly Adunze could be there. Yes, and that's that's what happens when you stink for a while and you trade away. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot you of get shot good players. Mm-hmm. And supposedly it was reported. Where did I hear this? Sorry, I don't remember the reference. That uh, five teams have approached. Have five teams have called USC to do background checks on Caleb Williams that are interested into trading up into the number one slot. Now, I think we discussed it last week. That came out 
who was it? Um, <laughs> one of our guys said it was going to be uh, three firsts and three seconds, something like that, most likely. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't know, Drew. I've never had the opportunity with Lindsay, but I hope you're right from her reputation. Jane Daniels, Jordan, is your number one quarterback? I would love to see that as well. Now on to the Detroit Lions. Again, coordinators, theme of this uh, um, this segment this week. And um, we also learned this week, much to my disgust, that Ben Johnson is returning as the Lions offensive coordinator. Looked like he was going to Washington. Uh, he pulled out of that and decided he was going to Go back to Detroit for a third year as the offensive coordinator, which sucks for the Vikings, sucks for Vikings fans, um, because I think we know how Detroit's offenses functioned under him the past two years. They've been top five in points scored both in 2022 and 2023. In this past season, they were third in passing yardage, along with that, and fifth in rushing, so a very balanced, dangerous offense that he's developed. And yeah, you can say that he's got pretty good, you know, awesome talent to work with. Amon, Amon Ross, St. Brown. Uh, you got Sam Laporta, Jamar Gibbs, uh, the Goff, who's Jared Goff, who's functioned very well in that system, and the best offensive line in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, so, but I still think that Johnson, even with that talent, he. David Montgomery, you got up there, another guy who hell of a football player. Uh, I think that, you know, even though he's got lots of talent, yes, there's no doubt about that. Uh, I think he does a lot with that talent. I think he's a very, a very good play caller, creative plays, uh, comes up with ways to exploit mismatches that on the on the defense, and uh, you know has good pace. Uh, really surprises you when you think gonna, when you think they're going to pass, he runs. When you think they're going to run, he passes. He, he keeps defenses off balance, and so I wanted him out of the NFC North, gone, done away with, and that is not happening again, which I think is not very good. And the, the other thing is that um, that what I was really looking forward to if he was gone is that. I find often that when you get a real good coordinator and this makes sense and they leave that team and that often, and whether it's offense or defense and that defense has been kick ass for that, the time where that coordinator has been there or the offense has, there's a drop off in performance the next year when the guy come, the new guy comes back on. You saw that this year with the Philadelphia Eagles in their defense, same players, but when without Gannon there, and they bring in Sean Desai, who almost was the Vikings defensive coordinator, or at least was considered for it, mm-hmm. they went from like, what was it? Um, I'm forgetting, but they were like the second or third in best in points, uh, you know, and points given up in the league. They gave up the, the second or third fewest points in the league in 2022. This year, they were 32nd last in the in the NFL. I, I didn't even realize. I knew they, they were bad, especially towards the end of the season, but I didn't realize they f- fell off that badly. And so, hey, coordinate real good coordinators matter in this league. And when you lose one, uh, it can really affect the unit that they were coaching. In this case, Detroit's got a real good one. They kept him for another year, and that is not good news for the Vikings 
and the rest of the NFC North. I don't care about the rest of the NFC North, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, sure do care the Vikings, um, you know, that they're going to have to face a Ben Johnson offense again. And that's going to be challenging for Brian Flores with a defense that he's still rebuilding, still molding, still working with, still trying to add talent to. And we need more talent. And we're going to need a lot. And we're going to need more talent to keep up with the Detroit offense led by Ben Johnson. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the reasons I heard Johnson didn't get the job and it was quasi confirmed by the Bleachers to Speakers podcast guys is Ben Johnson was asking $15 million per year. Now, whether hmm. he was doing it as to, hey, I want to set this level and maybe I get $7 million, or if he was doing that to say, hey, you either go pay me Bill Belichick type money, and then I'll go. But if you don't, I'm sort of taking myself out of the running so I can stay with Detroit and continue with Dan Campbell and try to make the Detroit Lions into Super Bowl competitors again next year. So yep. we'll find out. But yes, Brian Flores is going to have his hands full. When we play Detroit next year. Really, if you look at it objectively, it's really only injuries that are going to stop Detroit from being another a top five offense or maybe even the best offense in the league with Johnson as their offensive coordinator again and with the guys that they got to work with. And we're not even think we don't even know who they're going to pick in this draft. They've got a lot of picks again in the top 100, I think four. Uh, so <laughs> they got more bullets to shoot this year. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So we're going to find out. Well, that brings us to theme three. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We're continuing with our position review. We started out with quarterbacks. Then we went to wide receivers. We've done tight ends. And tight end is a quasi cross between a receiver and a big round belly. So that brings us to the offensive line. It does, Dave. Um, I don't know. I, I think most people on here will remember early in the season, um, we were getting some really good news. Uh, I was reading various stories with various stats on how the Vikings offensive line was really looking good, improving uh, at least how like grades from PFF and ESPN on pass rush win rates and, or pass block win rates and all that stuff. Uh, the Vikings were Brian O'Neill, Christian Derrissaw, Gare Bradbury, uh, 
um, Ezra Cleveland, the, dear, the departed Ezra Cleveland, even Ed Ingram, they were, those guys were ranking very, very high. And Ingram not so much, but he was really, his rankings had really improved compared to his rookie season, which were awful. And uh, they were sky high. Uh, there was talk about how, Again, how improved the Vikings offensive line was compared to previous years, particularly in 2022. And even some talk about, wait for it, that we might have an elite offensive line for the Minnesota Vikings. Something we've been crying for, Dave, you and I, for a decade or more. Uh, (laughs) That would be nice. Just, you know, above average would be nice. And they were for a chunk of the season. They were one of the highest-ranked offensive lines, especially when it came to pass blocking, which surprised us now the last few games that sort of tailed off. But no, it was spread. I would love a beefy, dominating offensive line, but we're not quite there, I believe. No, and, no and, and if despite this talk about how we improved – we finished 30th in rushing yardage. Okay, a lot of that had to do with the fact that we had Alexander Madison as our starting running back for most of the year. Uh, I don't think there's any disputing that, but still, the offensive line didn't really help him very much a lot of times. Not a whole lot of holes to run through. And Madison probably didn't see them properly, but they they weren't really strong run-blocking unit, I don't think, especially in, in the interior. And then pass blocking, well... <laughs> Uh, the Vikings uh, gave up 47 sacks this year, uh, which was 10th most in the NFL. Not anywhere near what uh, the New York Giants gave up. I did not realize this day. They gave up 85 sacks last year. The New York Giants did 85. I don't, that feels like a record. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah. So 47 seems pretty good when you look at that, but uh, still it, it, 10th worst, it's not great. So we do not have an elite unit if you're giving up that many sacks. Detroit gave up 30 this year, or 31. Uh, the Green Bay Packers gave up 30. Um, so we the offensive line has a way to go uh, to get to, to be a strong, really good unit that we want it to be. Um, how are they going to get there, and how might they address things this year uh, coming up to, to do that? Well, the good news is that at the tackle position, you don't have to worry about it, I don't think. Um, I did see a comment on here recently about from somebody, I can't remember how they felt that Derisaw was overrated. Um, I don't know what games they're watching, but um, it's their opinion. I disagree. Uh, I think he's very good. But Derisaw, PFF's got him ranked as the last year's the seventh best tackle out of 84 tackles. Uh, Brian O'Neill, that was the 24 ranked tackle out of 84 tackles still very good and those rankings for both of them were higher as you mentioned for much of the season they they both of them slumped the last three or four games as did the whole team but i think tackle wise you don't have to worry about those guys and please get derisaw signed to an extension as soon as is reasonably possible (laughs) right and we found out at the end of the season o'neill was playing with a broken bone in his foot yeah so one i love the toughness but two, mm-hmm. give him the offseason to heal, and I think he rebounds to, you know, the top right tackle in the league. Yeah, and, and that's what he was he was and that's what he was really playing like for most of the season, uh, Dave. Uh, so injuries, yeah, injuries can really affect you. Um, so tackles, you don't have to worry about. The interior is another issue, and we got lots of comments going on there, and we're going to get to <laughs> Reisner and those type of things. But center wise, uh, Garrett Bradbury, 
uh, he's a guy that probably, you know, if you had your druthers and a lot of cap space, you'd probably want to replace him. Um, or there's that new kid down at the Senior Bowl. He's got oh, a hyphenated yes. name. God. Powers Johnson or Johnson Powers. Yes. Oh, Austin Powers. Um, <laughs> Drew, when you watch this tape, you're going to get a Woody, buddy. God, it's so good. <laughs> so good. The question is, is he going to go in the first round and somebody might actually take him in the first round because he looks like a potential Hall of Famer that good. And it's just, um, oh, man. Andrew, you felt Bradbury played well this this year. Uh, I think some other people would as well. Again, PFF stats. Early in the season, he was ranked very highly amongst the top centers in the league. But then their grade, again, it's just their grade, but they had him graded right around kind of that mediocre average grade they've given him every year he's been a pro. He was 60.9, I think. Uh, So... Which actually, since he's been a pro, remember, he started out way low and stunk. It took till year four, I think it was, before he started, his grade started inching up. So that's 24th out of the 38 centers that they've ranked who've played at least 20% of the offensive snaps for their teams. But um, you would think you'd want to, you'd like to get somebody better than that. But I think the thing is they just signed Bradbury to an extension. He's okay. And his cap hit is 5.7 million next year, which is pretty reasonable. Uh, He's going to be back as the starting center next year. Uh, The Vikings, I don't think are going to address that in any way, shape or form in the draft or free agency. Um, But the people. Okay. To me means meh. And yeah, right now well, he yeah. is meh. And mm-hmm. he's fine until he gets up against one of the top defensive tackles that goes against him. And then he gets waxed. That's why Jackson Powers, Johnson. Oh. Like I said, Drew, when you watch his tape, you're going to get a chubby. Just to let you know. <laughs> Heads up. I think at the guard position, here's where the Vikings can do a little bit of work. Oh, yes. um, left guard, Dalton Reisner, the center. Uh, sorry, the, the starter last year after they got rid of, uh, they, they traded Ezra Cleveland. Um, you know, I'll say off, I like Reisner's attitude. I like his enthusiasm on the field. He's a, he's a hustler. Um, and he's, by all accounts, um, you know, a very good pass blocker. PFF didn't said he did not give up a sack the entire season, which seems pretty good to me, Dave. <laughs> I don't know, but that he's never graded thing. out very well. Yeah. He's, he's never graded out very well as a run blocker there. And the Vikings have trouble uh, creating a push in the interior. And Reisner was a starter for a majority of the season. And so he has to take some of the blame for that. I think, I, I think that Reisner is a guy that you can, you can do better than Reisner as much as I like the, the, the player and the person. Um, and there are free agent guards out there who who are scheduled to hit free agency. We don't know if they all will, but there are guys, Robert Hunt, Dotson from the Rams, uh, John Runyon's, uh, you know, there's a couple of older guys. Zeitler's pretty old, but, you know, John Runyon from that team from Wisconsin. Uh, the guy on there, not looking great grades, but a guy that I think that the Vikings should really look at seriously is Jonah Jackson from the Detroit Lions. Um, and the reasons why is that he's still young, uh, just in his prime, athletic prime at 26, 
Uh, I also like the fact that if you go after him hard uh, and you, t- you sign him, uh, you weaken your a divisional rival in the and the team that won the NFC North this year in the Detroit Lions, and you weaken that their strongest unit, which is the offensive line. Um, Jackson has had a reputation as a pretty good pass blocker and a mauler as a run blocker. And I think this offensive line needs a mauling, physical, tough mentality. We're kind of think, I think soft on the offensive line in a lot of cases, Jonah Jackson, I think would be would solve that. And he's not going to be the highest priced guy that you on the guard market. Uh, Dotson and hunt probably will be the guys that, Wherever they sign, they're going to get the biggest dough. Jackson might be a Let's guy go who back will to use the slide. Mm-hmm. Um, on it, you have PFF projected contracts. And if you look at Jonah Jackson, who's number eight on their list, he's uh, projected at 10 and a quarter million per year on a three year deal. He ranked overall out of their 79 guards that fit into their deal. I think they had 11 free agent guards on the list. I only put up the top 10 because once you get down towards the bottom, Graham Glasgow, it doesn't really matter. Um, they had Jonah Jackson ranked at 34th, which is mm-hmm. higher than Ezra Cleveland, which is higher than Dalton Reisner. And for those that are curious, when it comes to guard rankings, Ed Ingram outranked them both. Both Dalton Reisner <laughs> And Ezra Cleveland. But when we get into talking between run blocking and pass blocking, here you can see a huge difference. All right. If you talk Kevin Dotson from the Rams, obviously the number one selection free agent, but you're going to pay 17 and a quarter million dollars per year on average, estimated. That's a lot of money. All right, he's good both as pass blocker and he's good as a run blocker. PFF has not only their run blocking grade, but they also have their run block grade percentage. And what the percentage is, is how well you do the pushing, how successful are you at it? Not only are you grading on a, you know, a positive to negative scale, they're minus two to plus two range that give you your, that compiles your grades, but the percentage also includes the runs, the actual runs. If Alexander Madison's running up the butt end of Dalton Reisner, Dalton Reisner may score 50, but he may have be successful if Alexander Madison is successful, understand? Or if Akers is successful, or if Chandler is successful. Well, in the case that when he went over Reisner, it wasn't. He had only a 9% success rate. You want that rate higher. And you can see out of all these free agent guards, which had the higher rate. Our buddy, our pal, the one kid I absolutely love when we drafted, my boy, Ezra Cleveland, can't pass block worth a darn. He's to the lower pass block grades on there. Jonah Jackson's a little bit lower, but he was one of the lowest at just under 60. But you look at that run block grade percentage, he was a beast in the run game. Now, 
he was a beast, but his grade wasn't as high as Kevin Dotson, per se. Kevin Dotson graded well. Form, technique, beat his guy. But when it came to running backs running up behind him and getting yards, Ezra Cleveland rocked that group, is number one in that group. Now, it's interesting to see that there are players that are like that. They're either great run blockers and can't pass block, or they are poor pass or great pass blockers like Dalton Reisner, who does well at pass blocking, but actually stinks at run blocking, which sort of blows my mind because as an offensive lineman, you want to be able to be the aggressor, right? You want to take the advantage. Well, the only way you do that is through run blocking. You're the one going forward, or some cases sideways, but you're the one initiating the hit, not the defender. Pass blocking is a defensive maneuver. And so it's it surprises me, especially with Reisner's attitude, that he sort of fails in that run blocking area. Yeah, you would think somebody who's that much of a hustler and 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 you know seems to be pretty aggressive that you'd think that that would work in his favor in the run blocking, but uh, it has not over his pro career. Um, but but yeah, like Jackson is a guy I like. Jonah Jackson is a mauler when it comes yeah. to run blocking. He's the he's um, that I'm going to kill you type of guy. Yes, uh, Drew's not like in the Ohio State uh, linkage there with <laughs> Jonah Jackson. In which case, uh, one thing I, I would have also you know thrown John Runyon into this mix as well as a guy. He graded out really well this year. Uh, the Green Bay o- offensive line really stepped up its play as the season went on and was a really strong unit. But I did I didn't they I didn't think that they would really be looking to let him go. But I've been reading things that uh, with their cap situation, uh, guys that they have to extend, and they've got a guy that they think can be the successor to Runyon, that they might let Runyon walk. In which case, again, he might be a guy that Vikings can target because they know him well. They've been seeing him two times a year for the past three, four years. Um, so don't forget about him either on the, on the left guard. But I think the Vikings need to do something different at left guard and in free agency, not go to the draft. Uh, and I think they got too many needs on the defensive side of the ball to, to go guard early anyway. Right guard, what do you do about that? Ed Ingram, I, I you know, we, we know that he improved last year. I think eye test, grades, that seemed to be to that seemed to be clear to to me anyway that he was a better player, not nearly as brutal as he was as a rookie. Maybe that's not saying much, but that is that there was progress shown there. And right, and Dave we saw to, progress over his rookie season. He got better as the season went, yeah. and this year we and, see continued progress, which yes, is what you want. What you want, and Dave, you talk all the time about how these days it takes offensive linemen coming out of college three years to really hit their stride. So next year. Could be the year where Ed Ingram, you know, I think he's improved. Other people said it in the comments. He's improved. He could be, I think, his up, his like his, he could be a solid guard, NFL guard, which there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, or maybe he won't. I don't think, I don't think at the level of his play where he's been okay, mediocre, kind of like Garrett Bradbury so far and two even in last year as a second year player, I don't think anything he's earned, he gets to earn anything. And I was listening to Jeremiah Searles 
on with on the Purple Insider podcast this week with Matthew Collar. And Cyril said that when he was with the Buffalo Bills in 2019, he didn't end up making the team that year. They brought in like a ton of vets at low cost and just said, hey, guys, we know not all you're going to be here when September starts, uh, but you're all going to fight it out. The best guy is, guy is going to win. Uh, duke it out, guys. You know, show us what you got. And he th- he thought that the Vikings should do the same thing at the right guard position. And, and I think that's not a bad option because, again, the Vikings don't have a ton of cap space. They got better than they have been. But I think if they could bring in some vets, I think keep Blake Brandle. He's been like a, a decent backup. Give him a shot. Um, Chris Reed, maybe or maybe not. Uh, look at some other vets on that who can play guard, tackle, have position versatility uh, on along your line. Bring them in on a one-year, one-point-whatever-million deal, two or three of those guys. Uh, nothing guaranteed, and have them compete with Ed Ingram. And if Ed Ingram is the guy who emerges as the, the obvious guy, okay, you got your guy. But if he doesn't... Uh, then you you use Blake Brandle or somebody else who's outperformed him. Don't guarantee him anything. And even if you are like a, a a hair or two or a smidgen better with that guy than with Ed Ingram, you've still improved your offensive line at one position. And that is important. So I think that's a good route for the Vikings to go. It's not going to cost them very much. It's not going to. Uh, and they, you can't Kennedy? throw money at everything. Yes. Swing guys yes. at depth. We went through it this year when there was injuries, both to the tackles and the guards, right? You had to bring somebody in, and you have to have that mm-hmm. guy ready to go. That's right. And, again, like the guys that they have right now on the, have been reserves, were reserve offensive linemen this year. Uh, Akeem Adeniji, Chris Reed, Ali Udo, who got hurt early, um, others that I'm not mentioning, bring them back or not bring them back. In most cases, I'd prefer not to bring them back. One reserve I would like to bring back is this guy. You've got pictured David Quisenberry. I think he did a pretty solid job when put in, pressed in to replace uh, Brian O'Neill a few times this year. And I think he's a valuable guy, a veteran, been through the wars, knows how to play the position, a pro, not going to cost you very much. You probably can get him back for a year on a a one-year deal again. And he provides you great depth as a swing tackle. He's one of the reserves I'd say definitely re-sign that guy and uh, because he did some valuable work for us last year. Um, Draft-wise, I think, again, if the Vikings keep all of their day three picks, they got two fourth-rounders, two fifth-rounders, two sixth-rounders, one in the seventh. Depending on what they do in the first round, trade up, trade down, uh, They did, I, I can see them. I think they will try to draft a, development, a developmental tackle like they did with the Vidarian Low in 2022 and because they do need to build up their depth in-house as well uh, and pick a young guy that they can work with and might be able to develop into a starter two or three years down the road. But I think... Uh, focus on free agency to fill left guard uh, and somebody that isn't Dalton Reisner have the open competition at right guard with some vets, uh, low cost vets and Ed Ingram and away you go. Mm-hmm. Could be now Dalton Reisner. Andrew asked, how long is he signed for? Dalton Reisner is a free agent. Andrew, he's a free agent this year, whether the Vikings bring him back or not. A different story. He wants yes. to come back. He likes mm-hmm. it in Minnesota. If he comes back, I would stipulate you're going to be under competition, just like Ed is, 
do the Jeremiah Searles deal. We're going to bring in a ton of guards, and you all are going to compete. And if you get regulated to backup duty, you're going to be a backup. There's a, I, I love the fact that he can pass block. And what bothers me is the run blocking. Now, yes. we improve by getting a better running back this, this year in the draft or however, I don't know. But a lot of that depends on the running. And it comes back to the slide where I should, the effectiveness slat where they showed the percentage versus the grade. You want the percentage high. I could really care less about the grade if that percentage is high, because if that percentage is high, you're getting the job done. And that's what we want. We want to get the job done. And you need aggressive aggression to do this. Somebody had said they would like to recreate the, I think as Mark said, need to recreate the 98 O-line. Mark, I'm all with you. If we could snap our fingers and do it, I would do it in a heartbeat. You need something like that. Yes. So it is what it is. But that's that's your offensive line, right? And we, we've got some, got some question marks going in. The draft seems heavy on tackles. And as we know, most guards are half the tackles that are drafted become guards and guards that are drafted are guards or slash centers. We could use interior O-linemen help. The the, both guard positions and center could all be used to uh, increase the quality of play. Now, I think as Drew asked me, is Ed Ingram going to continue to improve? Drew, I solidly believe so. I think he's going to turn into a very good serviceable guard in his third year. Like I've said, it usually takes three years for an offensive lineman to get it. Just like a t- tight end, it takes three to four years. It's It takes that long. He has showed nothing but steady improvement. I think he could be that long-term answer, but there's nothing that helps speed up that improvement like competition. So, the more Keep them hungry, Dave. Yep. The more competition, the better. It keeps them on their toes, and it keeps them learning and putting in that extra little bit. So they're the winner of that competition, and that's what we want. Well, that's it for today. We debuted one of our newest segments around the NFC North. Hopefully in the future when we highlight that one, it's going to be Relatively brief, you know, today in Green Bay, the team bus drove off the bridge and unfortunately (laughs) it went into the lake. Um, You know, something like that and then go on from there. But we'll find out as we move forward. And some of these new segments we're hoping to debut and bring to you will be rotated in in different parts and times, depending how what's happening and all that sort of stuff as we go on. But we hope... You enjoyed, like the new segment of Around the North. Let me know if you do not or if you do and what you'd like to learn from Around the North. And uh, next week, we've got a new one coming your way. I've already got the notes. We're going to work on it, and there'll be another reveal then. But you've got to tune in next Saturday 
to two old bloggers to hear exactly what that is. And don't forget to give us your any ideas you have for segments, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're all ears. Now, I'm not that smart. <laughs> whether you're watching the Senior Bowl today, and I don't know if it's over yet. I know they were playing it before we started. Um, or you're going to watch the Pro Bowl festivities, whether the flag football. I have no idea what's going on there. I know they had the snapping competition and. Uh, DePaulo wanted for doing lawn, lawn bowling, Dave. Okay, it could be. Hey, it's it's a fun time. Um, whatever it is this weekend, uh, we hope you enjoy it. It's safe that uh, you get a great food, great friends, great family, whoever you're with, great times. Basically, make memories, stay safe, and as always, what do we say, buddy? We say. Skull Vikings. Norpheus, my dog, is a Catahoula. (laughs) (laughs) Asking what the breed was last week, and I didn't answer him because my mic game shut off. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we'll see you next Saturday. Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings, baby. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. You can find our podcasts as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Sports takes for the fan, from the fan. Skull, everybody! Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.